Welcome to episode 88 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we'll talk about setting reasonable expectations and why it will make your trip even better. Then our top five list will give you some great ideas for how to say happy birthday on the trail without the mess of confetti or balloons. Guess you could toss dirt up in the air and yell happy birthday. Next on the Summit Gear Review, an upgrade for your Nalgene water bottle that will save you the embarrassment of spilled water in your lap. For today's backpack hack of the week, learn the trick for getting closer to one more birthday. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. We recently had a conversation with one of our listeners. His name is Hiking Dad on Twitter. And in the conversation, he asked us, so are you guys still recording in your tent of sound? And... That's how we first started recording, but we've upgraded. We are now recording in our closet. Surrounded by soft stuff. Yeah. It it is a walk-in closet. I mean, just in case you're getting a a mental (laughs) image or visual in your mind of of what kind of closet we're in, we should probably mention that. It's not a Hollywood walk-in closet, though. It's like a... Just big enough to record. Yeah, big enough for the two of us and a uh, music stand so we can put our notes on it. But, you know, that got me thinking about the beginnings of the first 40 miles and some of my expectations in my head. You know, when you think of recording a podcast, you think, well, I I need all the fancy equipment. I need to record in a studio. In fact, the very first test recording that I did, I went down to our local cultural center, which happens to have a recording studio in it. So I did some testing there and just kind of tried to see what my voice sounded like. And I thought, okay, well, this is probably what I'll do. I'll use all the professional equipment and I'll record in this nice studio. But as it turned out, we ended up going a little bit different route and we record at home with a microphone that I got off Amazon for $35 and we use free editing software. So to record this podcast, we had to set some reasonable expectations. Yeah, if we hadn't done that, we may have never started. And we promise this has something to do with hiking and backpacking. Uh, Help us make the connection. I was to you. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we wanted to talk this morning about setting reasonable expectations because sometimes if your expectations are too high, it really puts an axe in your plans. And you know that saying, shoot for the moon because even if you miss, you'll fall among the stars or whatever. Uh, it's okay to have realistic expectations. And in some cases, even setting low expectations. Shoot low. Because at least you shot. Because at least you <laughs> Right? I mean, you took a shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and next time, you might aim a little higher. That's fine. But you took that first shot. And that's really important sometimes. A couple months ago, a listener hooked up with us on Facebook, and she asked us this question about elevation on the trail. She said, I don't know if 2,000 feet over two miles is a slow gain or like climbing a ladder. As a beginner, trying to judge my ability to attempt a trail, especially in Colorado, I have no concept of gain over distance. 
she was struggling with this question of, hey, I, I look up a trail on a website or in a book and it says it's a two mile segment of the trail and there's an elevation gain of 2000 feet. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Is that basically a walk in the park or is it like get out the climbing gear? And if you're new to backpacking, you just don't have the, I guess, the reference point of, um, you know, past experience to tell you whether you're biting off something that's really too strenuous for your first hike or something that'll be just fine. On my first backpacking trip, I went into it thinking, okay, we're going to do what eight miles today. So we should be able to knock that out in about two hours because at home I can walk four miles an hour. And so every day we ended up going about a mile an hour. And I thought, oh, we are a miserable bunch of hikers. We're lazy. We're slow. What's wrong with us? We keep having these setbacks. Oh, why? Like, why is this so hard? And like, as I gained more experience, went on more hikes, more backpacking trips, I realized that a mile an hour wasn't that bad. And it's actually become the pace between a mile and a mile and a half an hour. It's become the pace for a lot of our hikes. It's kind of the benchmark pace. So your expectation led to this uh, vision in your mind that you'd get up after breakfast, put the pack on, hike for a couple hours, and set up camp. And you'd have the afternoon to sit and relax and whatever else, take an hour or two to cook your dinner. Yeah, well, if nothing else, I expected that we would be in camp before dark, you know, in time to make dinner and do those little evening activities. But nope, it was pretty consistent. We hiked the entire day and ended up in camp around twilight. And if you listen to through hikers and, and hear about their experiences, you may set up your expectations wrong because they, after several weeks on the trail, really get into this mode. They'll put on a marathon a day. They'll go 25, 30 miles in a day, but they've worked their way up to it and they're going to do it all summer. Their bodies adapt and can do it. When you're the casual weekend overnight backpacker or you take the occasional week off to go backpacking, you're not adapted to it. And uh, at least that's how it is for us. I mean, we get nowhere close to 25 or 30 miles a day, ever. And one of the factors that may help you set your expectations is realizing that the more people you have in a group, the lower your expectations should be for almost everything. So that means you're probably going to stop more. There will be more little issues that come up, you know, like oh, I lost my jacket and we have to hike back half a mile and look at the look forward at the creek that we just stopped at. You're going to have more people stopping to take photos. There's just going to be more of everything. And so if you can just set those expectations at a reasonable level, which means set them pretty low, you will come out a lot happier. It's not that all of us had a pace of one mile per hour. It's that when we did get to a little breaking point at a stream or something, you know, we'd, we'd stop and refill on water. We might spend some time to get a snack. And we might wait a half hour at that stream before the tail end of our group would come along. And then, of course, they needed a break. And so we'd all be there, you know, and, and we might take a half hour to an hour for that break. And that all factors into that overall mile per hour rate that you get. Okay, so back to this question about elevation gain. 
On our first 40 miler, the Timberline Trail around Mount Hood was 40 miles, and it consisted of a cumulative 9,000 feet of elevation change. Uh, so if you add up all of the downhills and you add up all of the uphills, all cumulative put together, it was 9,000 feet. So it's about two miles vertically, over 40 miles. So on a trail of that distance, uh, that was considered a fairly rigorous elevation change. And on a shorter section of trail, you know, maybe over one to two miles, you might see an elevation gain of a thousand feet or two thousand feet. And at least the rule of thumb that I've come to is a uh, thousand feet per mile is fairly steep, but doable for most casual backpackers. If it's over a thousand feet per mile, it's really steep. And if it's under a thousand feet per mile, it's pretty easy. Well, that's a good rule of thumb. And one of the benefits of setting your expectations really low is that you won't be disappointed. You know, when your expectations aren't met in life, that's what leads to disappointment. And when you set the bar low, then you can be okay with what happens. You can just take it at your own pace and just enjoy the trail and enjoy your time out there. For today's top five list, the top five ways to celebrate birthdays on the trail. Did you know that one out of 12 people were born in the month of July? Amazing. That's why we're doing this segment specifically in July. The other amazing thing is that when I ask around uh, other people's birthdays, all of them have a birthday within six months of my birthday. You're kidding. It's incredible. That's fascinating. So what was that interesting statistic you shared with me a few months ago about if you're in a room with 30 people? Oh, yeah, the birthday paradox. Yes. If you're in a room with, well, to start with, one other person, then there's approximately a 1 in 365 chance that that person has the same birthday that you do the same day of the year. Because there's 365 days in most years, and uh, there's the probability. And obviously, if you were in a room with uh, like 365 other people, then there's virtually 100% probability that someone in that group has the same birthday that you have. But what's amazing is that it only takes 23 people to get to the 50% mark on the probability. So if you're in a room with just 23 people, there's a 50% chance that one of those 23 people has the same birthday that you have. Don't ask me why. That's so cool. <laughs> but it's stats. We want to share with you five ways to celebrate your birthday or someone else's birthday on the trail. The number one way is with a birthday cake. So on our second Redwoods trip, our hiking friend Steve gave me a large Costco double chocolate muffin for my birthday. In fact, it was going to be his breakfast the next morning, but he sacrificed it and gave it to me for my birthday. And he lit a match and stuck it in the top of the muffin. So it looked like it was this mini birthday cake. This idea works equally well with any kind of little snack cake, you know, like Twinkies or whatever. And you could stick a match in the top or you could even bring a birthday candle. And if you actually want to bake a cake on the trail, back in episode 73, we talked about steam baking using the Packet Gourmet Baking Kit. So it's these little silicone muffin cups and a silicone platform, I guess, that goes in the bottom of the pan. And you just fill up the pan with a little bit of water. And then you stick your muffin cups in there with some cake mix and let it steam. And you have this fresh 
cake on the trail that you could serve as birthday cake. The number two way to celebrate a birthday on the trail is to give a gift of a little piece of gear or even a backpacking hack. Just something small and simple. It, it doesn't have to be big. And I think that's because when you're out backpacking, well, as we talked about, the expectations change. And something that would be unimpressive at home is all of a sudden delightful out on the trail, like the muffin that wasn't squished. Like you were really amazed that it wasn't squished. Now at home, that wouldn't have been amazing. Like, oh, someone gave me a muffin and it wasn't squished. That's great. Oh know? yeah. And if someone baked a cake and stuck a match in the top and lit the match, I would be so unimpressed. But out on the trail, it was just so kind and so sweet. Yeah. So it can just be a little piece of gear, you know, something that just weighs an ounce or two that'll mean so much more because you're way out there somewhere in the woods. For my birthday last year, we were out on the trail and Josh gave me popcorn. So he filled a travel-sized contact lens bottle with canola oil and put some popcorn in a bag and some seasoning mix for the popcorn. And if Josh had given that to me for my birthday at home, it would have been a completely different experience, you know, unwrap this package and find a travel-sized contact lens bottle with canola oil. That's just a weird gift. But when I got it on the trail, it was hard not to get emotional because I knew what went into it and I knew that he packed it in and he was excited to give it to me and it was this really meaningful gift. The number three way to celebrate birthdays on the trail is with a special birthday wake-up song. When I was a teenager, my parents taught an early morning class in our home for the youth in our church. And whenever anyone had a birthday, they would play Birthday from the Beatles' White Album. So the stereo was turned up all the way, 6.15 in the morning. I'm sure our neighbors loved it. But I have such great memories of that song. You know, the... So you could have a song prepped on your smartphone or just use your voice, right? I mean, if especially if you're in a group and three or four of you started singing Aww, to the birthday person. That'd be so sweet. I do feel the need to off, like to put in some kind of disclaimer <laughs> here or uh, caution. I mean, you're out in the woods and you don't want to disturb other campers, uh, other that. people outside of your own group. I don't mind disturbing my own group, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to disturb the people that are camping 100 feet away. Or Yes, let nature's sounds prevail. Yeah. The number four way to celebrate birthdays on the trail is with a Technicolor campfire. Now, this one I have never tried, but I really want to try. You can buy these packets. They're about, you know, one to three dollars per packet. And you put a couple packets in the fire and it makes the fire turn these wild colors. From what I understand, you can't cook on these flames, but they are environmentally friendly. Um, a couple of companies are Colorful Fire and Mystical Fire. What different colors? I, like just the whole spectrum of colors? Like, like colors that you've never even heard of before. Oh, okay. They're not Pantone colors. They're wild, wild, mystical colors. They all kind of blend together because it's fire. Okay, so not yellow and orange. 
So like, yeah, here, throw this packet in your fire and the flames will turn yellow. It's amazing. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, blues, purples, reds, yellows, like that. And then it's it's a mix, like like in one packet you get a mix of colors? Yeah, like it okay. keeps changing color. Oh. oh. Green, yeah, it also does green. It's like you throw it in and it starts changing, continually changing yes. the color of the flame. Ah. Yeah, and I think they burn for about 30 to 60 minutes. But that could be a really fun, you know, it just changes the mood of the campfire. Fun way to celebrate a birthday without confetti. Yeah. Well, the number five way to celebrate a birthday on the trail is with stories about the birthday boy or birthday girl. When you're sitting around your Technicolor campfire, it's the <laughs> perfect time to bring up some great stories. True or not, this is, you know, the, the larger the group, the better probably. Because you have just so much more stories that you can pull out. And, you know, you might be sitting there roasting your marshmallows. And at the same time, you can be roasting your friend. Oh, great. <laughs> I love it. And one of the great things about stories is often when you share a story, someone else piggybacks on that story or they try and one-up you. And so you can get some really wild stories going around the campfire. And the longer you tell the stories, the less likely they are to be true. You know, that's just <laughs> yeah. the nature of storytelling. You know, I can tell you a way not to celebrate birthdays on the trail. Okay. Fireworks. Hmm. You can keep your fireworks at home because trees and fireworks don't play nice together. It would make for a memorable birthday because you probably spend it in jail. But I could see someone trying it, right? Being on some rock outcropping somewhere on a mountainside and thinking... It'd be really cool to carry some fireworks up and shoot them off and let them, you know, go up into the sky in front of me off of this rock outcropping. And that'd be super cool. And there is no way that that person is going to be able to do that without leaving a trace. Yeah. So don't do it. Well, that was a downer. How do we end Aww. on an up? How do we end? <laughs> The Technicolor Campfire is actually a nice substitute, right? Yes. I'm super excited to try that, possibly for your birthday. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Human Gear Cap Cap. I love that name. What a funny name. I just, I love it. The Cap Cap. So Josh loves his wide mouth Nalgene. I can't stand to drink out of it because I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose, you know, just all that water in your face. But it's his go-to water bottle for all of our hiking and backpacking trips. But that's not to say that there couldn't be improvements. Yeah, it's pretty much mandatory that I have to stop moving in order to drink water. I, I can't just pull out my water bottle while I'm hiking down the trail and chug some water while I hike. It just doesn't work. You know, the wide mouth water bottle is great for when you're procuring water, you know, it scoops it up really well. And when you're treating water, and even when you have to rinse out your water bottle at home, it's nice to have that wide mouth. But when it comes to drinking, it can just be awkward. So the Human Gear Cap Cap solves this problem with a wide mouth lid or wide mouth threads that screw on to the Nalgene water bottle. But then there's a lid on top of that lid that's a narrow mouth opening. So it's a lid with a lid. Exactly. Or a cap with a cap. Cap cap. Cap cap. So the smaller opening on top of the 
wide mouth threads has a rubberized easy to grip cap which is nice if you have gloves on or if you want to try and open the bottle with one hand. The lid is BPA free, polycarbonate free, and phthalate free and the cap cap is made with food safe polypropylene plastic. And I know this sounds weird but the lip that you drink out of on the cap cap is ergonomically designed for your lips. And so instead of your lips being up against this kind of um, sharp edge, it's nice and curved. The cap cap works with most 63 millimeter wide mouth bottles. They have a list of compatibility on their website. And you can also try it out in the store if you bring your water bottle in. Um, the packaging on the cap cap is such that you can try out the cap cap. And one thing I should probably point out is just because it fits on a water bottle that you have doesn't mean that you won't have leaking issues. Um, we've never had leaking issues with the Nalgene. So you just want to check the compatibility list on the Human Gear website. The strap on the cap cap is rounded. So that means that even if you have a kilo of water in your water bottle, the strap isn't going to dig into your fingers like it does on the Nalgene. Oh, I hadn't noticed that feature. Yes. As far as mass goes, the cap cap weighs 1.3 ounces or 37 grams. The Nalgene lid that comes with the Nalgene water bottle weighs 0.7 ounces or 18 grams. So you're doubling your weight on the lid, but small sacrifice. For maintenance, you'll just want to hand wash or wash it in the dishwasher on the top rack. For investment, you can get a two-pack of the Human Gear cap cap on Amazon uh, for $16.50. You know, it's about eight bucks a piece. Uh, Human Gear also sells them directly on their website for six bucks a piece. But you got to pay five dollars shipping for your order. And you can probably find them locally, you know, in the travel section of a large store and avoid the shipping costs. And they come with a lifetime warranty for the lifetime of the product is what you wrote down in the show notes here. Yeah. Because... <laughs> so in other words, it, we, we guarantee it's going to work until it stops working. I think so. You know, I always <laughs> thought lifetime warranty meant my lifetime, but I think I've been misunderstanding that on every single thing that I've ever seen a lifetime warranty on. It's for the lifetime of the product. So, you know, if you use it for six or seven years and the strap breaks, well, you can probably expect that by then it will have worn out. You know, you'll see the signs, you'll see scuff marks on it, you'll see cracks in it you know, for the lifetime of the product. Well, I haven't read the warranty myself, so I guess I can't comment, but um, there is a warranty, you know. So I guess the clear case is if this thing just doesn't work, you know, the th it was manufactured wrong and the threads are all crooked or something, you're going to be able to get it replaced. And Human Gear is very generous with their replacement. Like, um, you know, they have the fine print on their website, but they're a very innovative company, and so they are always making improvements. And if something doesn't work on a Human Gear product, they would love to hear about it because they are one of those just, you can tell they're probably a fun company to work for because they're just always innovating. So yeah, if you do have an issue with the product, Human Gear will definitely take care of you. And as we mentioned, Human Gear is an extremely innovative company. They have some things that you might have already seen, like the GoTube, which is this squishy silicone bottle that you can put soap or lotion in. And it has one of those no-drip tops, you know, like ketchup bottles have. Then it kind of closes up on itself. Yeah. And then they also have the GoTub, which is like this little container that you can open with one hand. You just pinch the sides and the top comes off, but it's pretty secure. So all of the stuff that they make is meant for travel. 
We've been trying out the Human Gear CapCap for a few months now, and I guess you could say that I'm the primary tester because it goes on a Nalgene bottle and I'm the Nalgene guy in our house. So we took off the original Nalgene cap completely and replaced it with the Human Gear cap. And if you put it on right, then you can unscrew the large cap and have it still be attached to the bottle. And you can also unscrew the small cap that you would drink out of and have it still be attached as well. Yeah, so when you take off the Nalgene original cap, you kind of have to lift this ring over the threads of the water bottle. It requires a little bit of muscle. But then when you put on the cap cap, you can do the same thing with the ring that comes with the cap cap. You just remove that from the base of the cap cap and you put it on where the Nalgene strap and loop was. And so I've used one of my Nalgene bottles with the cap cap on it for a while now. And uh, yes, I can report that I can drink out of it when I'm moving. Yay. And I guess that was the primary goal, right? Yes. <laughs> Whether it's in the car or, um, you know, while I'm walking. But you can also remove the wide mouth lid and scoop up water so you can treat it with a SteriPen. Right. The one gotcha that I ran into that really does matter to me is that you need to make sure that you screw that larger human gear cap tightly onto the Nalgene. Um, because otherwise, when you go to unscrew the small cap, if that small cap was screwed down tightly, then when you go to unscrew it, you could inadvertently be unscrewing the entire thing. In other words, unscrewing the large cap, and then that comes off of the bottle rather than the small cap coming off. So if you're able to use both hands, then it makes sense to put one hand on the large cap while you unscrew the small cap from it, and then you never have to worry about the large cap unscrewing. Overall, the, the smaller lid, you know, the, there's, a, there's a torque difference because it's a smaller diameter. So the force that you're putting on it has less torque than when you unscrew the larger lid. And so generally speaking, the smaller lid is going to move before the larger one does. It only becomes a problem if you haven't really secured that larger one nice and tight. Well, we think the cap cap is a great accessory. It's easy to use and it makes drinking from a wide mouth water bottle tons easier. Before we move on, I also wanted to mention a couple months ago on Twitter, Hiking Dad pointed out a product called the HydroPack Watergate. Uh, it just costs four bucks and it's an insert for the opening in your Nalgene bottle and, and other bottles, you know, that are compatible with that size. So you press it into the mouth of the Nalgene bottle, which means that um, you're just using the original lid still. But when you open that lid uh, and you go to take a drink out of it, the water bottle has this insert that has a smaller opening through which you drink. And so it solves the same problem. And when you need to fill your bottle with water, then you could pop out the insert and you've got the full wide mouth opening that you can use to fill up your bottle. And that's called the HydroPack Watergate. And I'm Richard Nixon, and I approve this water bottle. <laughs> That's what the little grin on your face was over the last 30 seconds. <laughs> <sighs> For today's backpack hack of the week, avoiding widow makers. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration describes widow makers as broken off limbs that are hanging freely in the tree to be felled or in trees close by. So Widowmakers is actually a logging term. It's also a, I think it's a name for heart attacks too. You know, there's lots of and ways this word has been used. Yeah, probably uh, 
really difficult rapids on a river, maybe even bad spots on roads. Before you set up your camp, it's a great idea to give the area a 360 look and look for dead trees, which are called snags, or large dead limbs that could be caught in a tree that are positioned perfectly over your tent. Now, those dead limbs may have been there for months, but on a windy night, those large dead limbs could become dislodged. And if they dislodge and fall in your tent, you've got a problem. Now, trail crews, they do a pretty good job of marking dead trees and they do their best to keep the sites safe. But nature changes so rapidly and trail crews are already stretched really thin. And so you can't count on a trail crew to protect you from these large branches that are caught in trees. And I think it's also important to not underestimate the weight of a dead branch. Something as small as four inches in diameter can weigh several hundred pounds. And then you compound that with gravity and momentum and something of that size and that weight falling can really do some damage. So when you get into camp, before you set up the tent, the hammock, wherever you're going to be sleeping, look up and see what's up there. Can we lighten things up a little bit with the trail wisdom? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> okay. So for today's trail wisdom, we have a quote from Anne and Myron Sutton, our favorite backpacking outdoorsy couple. They just say the most clever things. And this is from their book, The Appalachian Trail, Wilderness on the Doorstep from 1967. And this quote really brings us back to the expectations discussion that we had at the beginning of this episode. They said, The hiker can go without combing his hair or shaving and will be accepted as perfectly normal. He can get dirty and his friends will still speak to him jovially. His clothes may be in tatters and people will think nothing of it. If there happens to be a little rock dust on his shirt or trousers, Or if his clothes are a trifle torn, so much the better. Of such stuff are hiking heroes made. Hey, we talked about birthdays today. Uh, if you go to the first40miles.com slash shop, uh, there's some birthday ideas there. We've got stickers with the First 40 Miles podcast logo on them. You can get a sheet of six of those for about five bucks. Or you can pick up a t-shirt with the logo on it. Also, because uh, last month we just recently went past the 1 million listens milestone, which is, it just blows us away. And to celebrate that milestone, uh, we made a special t-shirt design. And uh, that one's up there too. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, then check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop and then get outside. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. We've been trying out the human gear. <clears throat> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. We all cough. In a few minutes, it'll be my tummy. <laughs> I will say it, it looks a little funny. Oh, come on. With the first... First 40 miles. <laughs> first 40 mile podcast. I love it. <laughs>